Peace and blessings, peace and blessings. Welcome to the Right Authority Podcast. I am your host, Carlos Carr Sr., also known as the KCOG. What I do with this program is build an intelligent agenda to move African and indigenous people living in the United States to empower themselves and their communities. Our goal is to dismantle white supremacy until one understands white supremacy, what it is, and how it works, anything and everything else that you understand will only confuse you. That is a quote from Brother Neely Fuller Jr. It's a beautiful day here in Kansas City, uh, even on uh, December 22nd is when I'm recording this, and uh, it is currently 45 degrees here in Kansas City, which is lovely weather uh, for Kansas City this time of year. It's clear, beautiful day. Hopefully people had a beautiful week uh, and are prepared for the upcoming European holiday of Christmas. I just want to point out a few things uh, about Christmas. Uh, First of all, I believe Christmas should be celebrated currently for people who have the money to celebrate the holiday and make it the materialistic holiday that it is. See, poor people, you should not go broke trying to celebrate this holiday. See, the whole holiday is is set up to be very commercial. Do you ever notice how they give you the sales, the retail sales, and how they give you those updates every holiday season? They're programming you to go out and beat the marks that they have set for their financial season. And we fall right into it. All the ads, all the Christmas music, all the decorations, it's all designed to separate you and your money. There is a lot of controversy about the Christmas holiday that some people may or may not be aware of. And for people of African descent, please understand that everything about Christmas originated in Europe. None of this has anything to do with your African culture, your African spirituality, or your well-being. None of this has anything to do with African people. 
You have to also understand that this holiday, just like the religion of Christianity, was introduced to African people through enslavement. And that's one of the few slave carryovers that we have kept as part of our culture here in America. Even to the point that at this time of the year, it is very customarily to prepare a very traditional dish that was prepared during these times when we, when our ancestors were enslaved. And that is those wonderful chitlins and hog balls. The pig feet, the pig ears, all that was given to the slave as their meat to celebrate during this so-called holiday of Christmas. I want you to check out a book. I normally reserve this for the section of my program called What I Read, but I have something else in there. And since we are on December 22nd, uh, just two days away from Christmas Eve and three days away from Christmas Day, I thought I would include uh, this in my little rant for today. But check this book out. It's African People and European Holidays, A Mental Genocide. It is written by the Reverend Ashakamusa Marashango. Barashango. B-A-R-A-S-H-A-N-G-O. Reverend Barashango. And again, that first name is Ish. I would say it's either Ashamusa. I would pronounce it Ashamusa Barashango. The Reverend Asamusha Bashango. Uh, and again, it's African people and European holidays, a mental genocide. Uh, again, that last name is spelled B like boy, A R like Robert, A S like Sam, H A N like Nancy, G O like Oscar. Check that book out and you'll find that he breaks down all the symbols of Christmas, uh, including Santa Claus, uh, which is of German origins, uh, Chris Kringle. Uh, He breaks down the uh, Christmas tree, the Christmas lights, uh, the chimney, uh, all the roles. These all have roles in European culture that have nothing to do with us as African people. And I believe it's very important that we understand that. Now, the flip side of that is that we celebrate that as the 
birthday of Christ. And the problem with that is that there are about 27 other cultures that celebrate their religious deity on that same date, December 25th. Now, according to the Bible, Jesus' birth had to be kept secret. They knew it was coming. They saw the alignments. They knew it was time, but they did not know the location of his birth. Prior to his birth, that is. So uh, I want you to understand that again, this whole thing of Christmas, as well as the religion of Christianity, was really handed down to our people, to our ancestors, through that period of enslavement. Um, and for whatever reason, uh, it stuck with us. But um, that's my rant on the uh, very European day of Christmas. I'm going to move on to my topic. My topic for this evening is how to brainwash a nation with Yuri Bismanov. An interview from 1985. It's about seven minutes long. Uh, but before we get into that, let me give you a little information about uh, Bismanov. He was born in the USSR and was trained as a subversive. A subversive agent for the KBG in the language and culture of India. He used this training to deflect from the USSR in the 1970s by going to India and then disguising himself as an Indian national, which allowed him to fly out to Canada before making his way here to the United States. Um, uh, somewhere in the 1970s, late 70s, early 80s. Now, for this interview, I need you to pay attention to the four steps to brainwash a nation. And keep in mind, the year of this interview is 1985. I'll be back with you. Conversation is with Mr. Yuri Alexandrovich Bezmianov. Mr. Bezmianov was born in 1939 in a suburb of Moscow. He was the son of a high-ranking Soviet Army officer. He was educated in the elite schools inside the Soviet Union and became an expert in Indian culture and Indian languages. He had an outstanding career with Novosti, which was the, and still is, I should say, the press arm or the press agency of the Soviet Union. It turns out that this is also a front for the KGB. He escaped to the West in 1970 after becoming totally disgusted with the Soviet system, and he did this at great risk to his life. He certainly is one of the world's outstanding experts on the subject of Soviet propaganda and disinformation and active measures. When uh, the Soviets use the phrase ideological subversion, what do they mean by it? Ideological subversion is, is the process which is legitimate, overt, and open, you, you can see it with your own eyes. All, all you have to do, all American mass media has to do is to unplug their bananas from their ears, open up their eyes, and they can see it. 
There's no mystery. There's nothing to do with espionage. I know that espionage intelligence gathering looks more romantic. It sells more deodorants through the advertising, probably. That's why your Hollywood producers are so crazy about James Bond type of, of, of thrillers. But in reality, the main emphasis of the KGB is not in the area of its intelligence at all. According to my uh, opinion and opinion of many defectors of my caliber, only about 15% of time, money and manpower is spent on espionage as such. The other 85% is a slow process which we call either ideological subversion or active measures, active мероприятия in the language of, of the KGB, or psychological warfare. What it basically means is to change the perception of reality of every American to such an extent that despite of the abundance of information, no one is able to come to sensible conclusions in the interests of defending themselves, their families, their community and their country. In the interests of defending themselves, their families, their community and their country. It's a great brainwashing uh, process which goes very slow and it's divided in, in four basic stages. Uh, the first one being demoralization. It takes from 15 to 20 years to demoralize a nation. Why that many years? Because this is the minimum number of years which requires to uh, educate one generation of students in the country of, of, of your enemy, exposed to the ideology of the enemy. In other words, Marxism-Leninism ideology is being pumped into the soft heads of, of, of at least three generations of American students without being challenged or counterbalanced by the basic values of Americanism, American patriotism. The demoralization process in the United States is basically completed already. Uh, for the last 25 years, actually it's overfulfilled because the demoralization now reaches such areas where previously not even Comrade Andropov and, and all his experts would, would even dream of such a tremendous success. Most of it is done by Americans to Americans, thanks to lack of moral standards, thanks to lack of moral standards. As I mentioned before, uh, exposure to true information does not matter anymore. A person who was demoralized is unable to assess true information. The facts tell nothing to him. Uh, even if I shower him with information, with, with authentic proof, with documents, with pictures, even if I take him by force to the Soviet Union and show him concentration camp, he will refuse to believe it until he, he is going to receive a kick in, the, in his fat bottom. When a military boot crashes his then he will understand, but not before that. That's the tragic of the situation of demoralization. So the next stage is destabilization. This time, subverter does not care about your ideas, not care about your ideas and the patterns of your consumption. Whether you eat junk food and get fat and flabby, it doesn't matter anymore. This time, and it takes only from two to five years to destabilize a nation. Uh, it's what what matters is essentials, economy foreign relations, defense systems. Uh, and you can see quite clearly that in some areas, uh, in such sensitive areas as, as uh, defense and economy, 
the influence of Marxist-Leninist ideas in the United States is absolutely fantastic. I, I could never believe it 14 years ago when I landed uh, in this part of the world that the process will go that fast. Uh, the next stage, of course, is crisis. It, it, it may take only up to six weeks to, to bring a country to the verge of crisis. You can see it in, in Central America now. And after crisis, with a violent change of, of power, structure and economy, you have so-called the period of normalization. It may last indefinitely. Normalization is a cynical expression borrowed from Soviet propaganda. When the Soviet tanks moved into Czechoslovakia in 1968, Comrade Brezhnev said, now the situation in brotherly Czechoslovakia is normalized. This is what will happen in the United States if you allow all the schmucks to bring the country to crisis, to promise people all kinds of goodies and the paradise on earth, uh, to, to destabilize your uh, economy, to eliminate the principle of free market competition, and to put a big brother government in Washington, D.C., with the benevolent dictators like Walter Mondale, who will promise lots of things, never mind whether the promises are fulfilled or not. Your leftists in, in the United States, all these professors and all these beautiful civil rights defenders, they are instrumental in the process of the, of the uh, uh, subversion only to destabilize the nation. When their job is completed, they are not, they are not needed anymore. They know too much. Some of them, when, when they get disillusioned, when they see that Marxist-Lenin has come to power, they, obviously they get offended. They think that they will come to power. That will never happen, of course. They will be lined up against the wall and shot. They will be lined up against the wall and shot. But they may turn into the most bitter enemies of Marxist-Leninists when they come to power. And that's what happened in Nicaragua. You remember most of these uh, former Marxist-Leninists were either put to prison or one of them split and now he's working against Sandinistas. It happened in, in uh, Grenada when Maurice Bishop was, he was already a Marxist, he was executed by, by a new Marxist who was more Marxist than this Marxist. Same happened in Afghanistan when uh, first there was Taraki, he was killed by Amin, then Amin was killed by Babrak Karman with the help of KGB. Same happened in, in Bangladesh when Mujibur Rahman, very pro-Soviet leftist, was assassinated by his own Marxist-Leninist military comrades. It's the same pattern everywhere. It's divided in, in four basic stages. Demoralization, destabilization, crisis, normalization. Again, that is Yuri Bezmanov. I do apologize for butchering, butchering his name the first time around. Uh, Yuri Bezmanov. Uh, speaking again in 1985, uh, point out a couple of things he mentioned uh, in this piece. He noticed he said the demoralization of the nation had already happened and he was surprised how quickly it happened uh, during the 14 years that he had been in this area of the world. Uh, that is saying something. He also stated that the current military uh, policies and the economic policies of the US, United States were beginning to destabilize the country. Okay. Now, 
a lot of the emphasis before I forget a lot of the emphasis you heard in the audio was done by me uh, the original audio does not sound that way okay uh, unfortunately I don't have all the information on the original audio because this came to me uh, via uh, a DVD that someone uh, passed off to me and I took the audio from that uh, so um, also before I forget uh, the important part of the destabilization that he pointed out is that after uh, the demoralization I should say he pointed out is after the, the stage of demoralization has happened that no matter what you show the people they will not believe the information until they find themselves locked up in the concentration camps and that's exactly where we are right now now I believe for the most part our country is in crisis right now Okay, um, but I do agree that all three of those stages has already happened here in the United States and within the black community, all four stages has happened. We are now normalized as long as we pick up signs and go to the streets we are normalized okay because we have taken no time to build an intelligent agenda to try to get restitution reparations and everything else that is due us from this government and this financial system now, with that said, I'm going to switch up on you. I um, keep hearing a little bit about critical race theory. And after a while, I started hearing some talk that critical race theory was connected to Harvard University and uh, one Dr. Derek Bell. Now, I am somewhat familiar with some of Derek Bell's work and I was not familiar with the critical race theory. So I decided I needed to go in and just figure out for myself what is critical race theory. I happened to, um, I, oh, I found the answer. I, I, I understand what critical race theory is. And at this point, I have to say how gullible how gullible America, especially black America is, to believe this BS about critical race theory being connected to education. 
I'm going to tell you this, and then I'm going to play a little clip for you that's going to go ahead and clear the air for you on critical race theory. First of all, as I said, critical race theory is a theory that was developed at Harvard University. People, go Google it. It's there. Harvard University. The theory is based on the fact that it is, it is showing that racism, white supremacy, is systemic. It is built into the very laws of this government. Did you hear what I said? See, critical race theory proves the racist, white supremacist, imperialist, capitalist, murderous people of this country intended in every way to suppress African people and indigenous people in the United States of America. Now, I'm going to stop there because I'm going to play this clip for you so you can hear what critical race theory actually is. Stay with me. last month at the beginning of a public school board meeting in Chandler, Arizona. So this takes us to our citizens comment portion of the meeting. And a number board president Barb Boston opened the floor this way. Critical race theory has not been on our agenda and is not on our agenda this evening. There have been a number of erroneous reports that Chandler Unified School District is using critical race theory. Agenda item or not, that's immediately where the conversation went. Just because you guys changed the name to equity does not mean it's not the same thing as a critical race theory. Uh, you can call it critical race theory, deep, deep equity, um, social emotional learning. It's all the same. They're just synonyms. You are teaching them to be divided. Why? Kids don't see color, race. This is a racist, vile, and evil ideology that has infected this once great school district. CRT. All that's doing is creating racism. It's a similar scene at Washoe County School District in Reno, Nevada. I say this for last because you'll probably kick me out. You guys are all a bunch of cowards and liars. In Fort Worth, Texas. We will not tolerate the schools to indoctrinate our children. This agenda will stop right now. And at a school board meeting last month in Loudoun County, Virginia, some parents were tackled by police and had to be escorted out of the room. What started in some Republican-controlled state legislatures earlier this year has spread. A push to stop public school teachers from what activists call critical race theory, whether or not they can define what it is. 
if you ask uh, 50 different people, and I have, uh, that, that are concerned about it, they will give you 50 different answers as to what it is. This is Utah's Republican Governor Spencer Cox speaking with reporters in May, just after Utah lawmakers passed a resolution against teaching critical race theory in public schools. It's, it's also hard for people to point to any evidence of, of where it's being taught in, in our schools. Most of these folks typically haven't really read anything on critical race theory. Gloria Ladson-Billings is the president of the National Academy of Education and professor emerita at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. So critical race theory is a series of theoretical propositions that suggest that race and racism are normal, not aberrant, in American life. Now, it was developed at Harvard Law School in the 1970s and 80s as a legal framework, and it posits that racism is not just a product of individual bias, but is embedded in legal systems and policies. I use it in graduate work because graduate students are often looking for theoretical frameworks to do their own research. Consider this. Critical race theory went from a legal framework to conservative media talking point. Why the debate is likely to reach your local school board soon. From NPR, I'm Audie Cornish. It's Tuesday, July 6th. That was a report. Consider this from NPR, how critical race theory went from Harvard Law to Fox News. It's actually a 15-minute piece. Please go to uh, NPR's website. And again, that's npr.org. This particular piece was uh, done July 6th, as you heard her say, uh, 2021. And when you pull the piece up, you'll see a picture of one representative, Marjorie Taylor Greene, the Republican from Georgia. She's speaking at a news conference about banning federal funds for teaching of critical race theory. And on her rostrum, there is a sign that says, Stop Critical Race Theory. And then behind her is the backdrop of the Capitol. And I believe this is very uh, other congressional members of Congress standing behind her to support her on critical race theory. And as you heard in the NPR piece, they don't even know what it is. Fox News picked it up and ran nuts with it people we need to research stuff we are hearing before we start spreading this nonsense if you will google critical race theory it comes up in google 
under Harvard Law School course catalog Critical Race Theory by Professor Kenneth Mack Fall 2014 Reading Group 3 p.m. to 5 p.m. in WCC Room 3008 One Classroom Credit. Okay? So the only place critical race theory is even being taught is at their school. Harvard Law School. But you can go in under that same Google listing and it will lay it out what critical race theory is. Harvard Magazine. What is critical race theory? By Marina Bo. Lakanova, I believe is her name. Um, looks like it was written on March 22nd, 2016. But it goes into critical race theory. And it's all about law, not education. Before I go, maybe, because I can't believe that Marjorie Taylor Greene is that a big of an idiot that she would put something out there and not know what she's talking about. So I'm going to play devil's advocate here. And I'm going to say, what if she's talking about the Frankfurt School and the critical theory? Google it. The Frankfurt School and the critical theory. Now, I'm telling y'all to Google it for a reason. I'm going to try to get through this first paragraph because there's a lot of uh, German words in here. The Frankfurt School, known more appropriately as critical theory, is a philosophy, a philosophical, I'm sorry, is a philosophical and a sociological movement spread across many universities around the world. It was originally located at the Institute for Social Research, an attached institute at the Gulf University or Gulf 
University in Frankfurt, Germany. The Institute was founded in 1923 thanks to donations by Felix Whale with the aim of developing Marxist studies in Germany. After 1933, the Nazis forced its closure and the Institute was moved to the United States where it found hospitality at Columbia University in New York City. Now, the next paragraph, the academic influence of critical theory is far-reaching. Some of the key issues and philosophical preoccupations of the school involve the critique of modernity and capitalist society. The definition of social emancipation as well as the detection of pathologies of society. Critical theory provides a specific interpretation of Marxist philosophy with regards to some of its central economic and political notions like modification, reification, fetishization, fetishization, or and critique of mass culture. I do apologize. That's a word I've never seen before, but it is felt fetish and like it's, uh, I'm going to leave it alone. Let's go back to that word reification. Now, that's a word I looked up. And I want you to look this word up. R-E-I-F-I-C-A-T-I-O-N. And its definition basically means taking something that is abstract, like an idea or an ideology, and making it become real. Bring it into reality. Now, this is critical race. This is not critical race theory. This is critical theory at the Frankfurt School. As you heard me read in the article, it is now located at Columbia, Columbia University in New York City and has been there uh, since 1933. Marxist philosophy with regards to some of its central economic and political notions like commodification, refication, whatever this fetish word is, and the critique of mass culture.
The Pratik of Mass Culture. Sounds very dangerous to me, Mal. To me, y'all, it sounds very, very dangerous. To fetishize, which is the root word of fetishization, I believe is the correct word. Now that I'm looking at it, its definition, make something the object of a sexual fetish. Women's body are so intensely fetishized. Is one of the synthesis. Have an excessive and irrational commitment To or obsess with something. Okay, to be clear on what those words are, I just wanted to make sure that everybody was on the same page. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and wrap things up here. I went a little farther than I intended to go, but I wanted to cover those, those at least those things. Uh, I'm getting beyond my 30 minutes because I'm getting a little long because there there's much more I wanted to cover. But before I get out of here, let's go ahead and touch on uh, what's going on real quick. Uh, the National Black United Front Kansas City has announced their annual Kwanzaa program, which will get, will begin this coming Sunday, the 26th to the 31st at the Gym Theater at 1615 East 18th Street, Kansas City, Missouri. The last day, January 1st, we'll move over to the Nefertari Ballroom at 1314 Quadera Boulevard, Kansas City, Kansas. For more information, uh, please go to facebook.com uh, slash nbuff. KC. That is N like Nancy, B like boy, U like Utah, F like Frank, KC. Everyone, the uh, if you're listening to this program, I really hope you're at my website, uh, therightauthority.com. Please help me support. Uh, not only my work here, but the organizations I support, which is the uh, Mutual Aid for Veteran Black Panther Party members, the Malcolm X Memorial Foundation in Omaha, Nebraska, BlackPowerMedia.org, and the Kansas City chapter of the National Black United Front. Uh, those are the groups that I support and any contributions that come into my website will be split uh, between myself and these organizations to pay for the work and the time that I put in and to support these organizations. Uh, go to my website again, the right, like left, the other side, rightauthority.com. And buy a brother a cup of coffee. Listen to the programs. You can see all my work right there on that website. Check me out there. I would appreciate it. 
and uh we will get with you guys uh real real soon uh hopefully next week in fact we'll see you next week you guys have a great evening i'm out of here peace out